All right. Like I said, we're going to be in John 3, but I want us to go to Matthew 11 to begin with today. Um, have you got your maps we gave out a little while ago? If you don't have a map and would like one, would you raise your hand and Art will bring it to you? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about some places and just hang on to the map and we'll go from there. Sir? Oh, thank you, Larry. <laughs> thank you, Larry. Let's let's do that. Let's go to uh, to uh, John. <clears throat> thank you for reminding me. Uh, you people that have it memorized, that's great. All right. Um, let's go to John. John twenty. And uh, I'm going to read verse 30, and then we'll pick up with verse 31, which is the key verse for the, for the chapter, for the book. And um, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. <clears throat> Thank you, honey. Okay, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we're picking up with the last little thing about John the, Bab the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, as some people call him. In chapter 11 of Matthew, Jesus talks about about uh, about John and um, in um, verse uh, 7 as these men were going away Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John this is chapter 11 verse 7 um, of Matthew what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind but what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom is, it is written, Behold, I send messengers ahead of you who will prepare the way, your, your way before, excuse me, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say unto you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus said, there is not arisen anyone greater, excuse me, 
Among those born of women, there has not been arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Okay, who does that leave out? Adam. Adam was created. He wasn't born a woman. But he, went, he put John the Baptist ahead of uh, Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel, all these people that we talk about as patriarchs in the faith there, he put him ahead of all those people. And yet he said, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now let's go to John chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 22. <clears throat> and... Uh, Jesus has just had his encounter with uh, Nicodemus. And, um, and as Art pointed out last week, these few verses that we, we have here about Nicodemus and Judas and Jesus, we know there was much, much more said. And, and that's true as we go through Scripture. And, and there's other things we're going to see and say and uh, so the total testimony, as John later says in the book, if they were all written down, the world itself couldn't contain it. So verse 22 of chapter 3 of John. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judah, where he was spending time with them and baptizing. And John also was baptizing at Anon and at Salem because there was much water there and people were coming <clears throat> and were being baptized. Okay, look at your map. We're going to talk about it uh, several times. Those two towns, uh, according to, to uh, people that study this thing, are, are they don't know where they are particularly, but they, they think... If you find Sychar up there in, Jer in Samaria and you go uh, to your right and you see the Jordan River, they think that, that, that it's right around there is where these two, two cities were. So Jesus had been in Jerusalem and, uh, and then he's talking about uh, John here and John is baptizing. So verse 24 uh, for John had not yet been thrown into the prison. What this little verse tells us that 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 John was uh, really aware of the Synoptic Gospels, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about about um, John's ministry, about being out there and and um, and and being. Uh, being uh, preaching and and it also tells about his death about Herod and uh, uh, he uh, called Herod out he says you got your brother's wife and that shouldn't be and later he 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 lost his head but what's what's John is telling you here uh, John had not been thrown into prison but the other uh, gospels were saying so he's just setting the stage here 
where, where this was before John was thrown into prison. Verse 25. Therefore there rose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. What we see here is, um, quite frankly, human nature coming up. We have a little jealousy going on with the... With the uh, disciples of John and and Jesus it says this guy who you've talked about he says he's uh, baptizing and everybody is coming to him so Jesus was baptizing and John was baptizing kind of parallel uh, here and uh, and his disciples um, that didn't sit too well with him and so John needs to, to say something about that. And John answered, verse 27, And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. All right, hold your finger there and go to John chapter 6. Now we'll see this in more detail as we get to, to uh, John chapter 6, but I just want to bring bring out a, a little bit here uh, John chapter 6 let's it's pick up um, with uh, verse 61 but Jesus conscious that his disciples grumbled at this and said to them does this cause you to stumble what then if you see the son of man ascending to where he was before now Jesus called himself the son of man it's many times in Scripture. We see it a lot of times in, in this particular gospel. He says, The Son of Man is sending to where he was before. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Jesus was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. That's heavy. That's heavy. So what's Jesus saying? He says, Because God is sovereign, because God is sovereign, he can do what he wants to do. He gives favor on people he gives favor and not on others. Um, we uh, have seen uh, through history uh, about God's favor. What does it take really to get God's favor? We've, we've harped on it. Obedience. We simply need to be obedient to the word and lift up the word as we know it. Uh, Swindoll says this about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, perhaps the greatest voice in his day 
At the age of 20, he was saved at 15, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And without any formal theological training, he drew overflowed crowds in the historic New Park Street Chapel in London. Eventually, a 5,000-seat metropolitan tabernacle was constructed to accommodate the multitudes that came to hear him. From age 27 until his death, which is about 30 years, uh, virtually every Sunday, every seat was filled, and another thousand stood listening to him. No mics, no amplification, except for the architecture and the good acoustics. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon spoke to 6,000 people every Sunday. He goes on to write, this is Swindoll, success exposes a man to the pressure of people and thus tempts him to hold on to his gains by the means of fleshly methods and practices, to let himself be ruled wholly by the dictatorial demands of the incessant expansion. Success can go to your head and will unless you remember that it is God who accomplishes his work. Uh, after, after Spurgeon, uh, and we come to the States, we had Dwight L. Moody, we had Billy Sunday, we had Billy Graham. You know, Art mentioned him last week about his simple sermons that that people responded to. And when he was just a young Bible school student down in Florida, you know, he, the story goes that he he put his Bible on a pine stump out there and and says, I believe the word to be the word complete and that's all I need to preach. And that's all he preached. And God's favor was on him because he was obedient. He was obedient. And we could say the same thing about his son today, Franklin. Uh, we pray for that man because uh, <clears throat> he's in the crosshairs of some, somebody because he calls a spade a spade. And uh, he's, he does it unashamedly. Being obedient to the word attracts God's favor. And this is what what um, what um, um, John was saying here in verse 27. He said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. And then he goes on and talks to these people, his followers, his disciples who have raised the question, he said, you yourself are my witnesses, verse 28, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. And then he makes an illustration uh, that they could understand perfectly. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stand and hears him, 
rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. We've kind of flipped that a little bit uh, in that the bride's maid of honor is the one that directs supposedly, according to whoever it is that says it, um, uh, directs the wedding. But in this particular case, it was a friend of the bridegroom. And he says when, when they hear the bridegroom's uh, voice, uh, John says, so this joy of mine has been made full. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of, of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above, above all. Excuse me. What he has sent and heard, he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal for this, that God is true. Um, all the... Old Testament writings. Velton and I are in in Jeremiah right now in our in our reading, and it's and it's and it's all the way through the Old Testament. Obey me. Don't go after other gods, and you'll receive my favor. Obey me. Don't go after other gods. You'll receive my favor. And that was preached and preached and preached. People said, nah. But it's, it happened. We read this morning, you know, you go into captivity, you'll be there 70 years. I told Velta, if anybody doesn't want to believe Scripture, can go back to secular history and prove what Scripture said. He says, and then I'll deal with Babylon. And it was a great place. And now it's a sandlot. And we know that because there's nothing there, but Scripture talks about the Euphrates and the Tigris River. So, favor from the Lord. Verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things to his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Back to verse 30. He must increase but I must decrease. Okay. Uh, we'll probably leave John, uh, the baptizer, and uh, now we're going to focus on, on Jesus and his public ministry. Chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that John was making and baptizing more 
excuse me, that Jesus was making in baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his spirit, but his disciples were, he left Judah and went away into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. And Joseph's well was there. So Jesus, began being weary from his journey, was sitting by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Now, depending on whose watch you look at, uh, if you were um, Jewish uh, time, it was 6 p.m. If it was Roman time, it was different. But most people says it's about 6 in the afternoon. Verse 7, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now look back at your map, and we'll see. You, you find Sychar, we talked about it a little bit more. Now he was... He was down in Jerusalem um, uh, at, at this time, and he, he was uh, talking to, to Nicodemus. And uh, because of uh, his popularity, as we see in, in chapter 1, verse 4, uh, and Jesus was operating on God's timetable and not, and, and not man's timetable, he says, you know, I need to move and uh, move on up the road. And so he wanted to go to Samaria. And he, or he wanted to go to Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. So you see Samaria in your, in your um, uh, map there. Well, the Jews that were really following, you know, uh, the traditions of the Jewish they didn't go through Samaria because, uh, as the lady said here, why are you even talking to me? You know, for the Jews had no dealings with the Samaria. You see the little word P-E-R-E-A there? They crossed, they would cross the Jordan River and go around up to Galilee, or they would go up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and go up there. The shortest distance between two points, they taught me in in, um, in what was it, uh, geometry or something, was a straight line. So Jesus was going straight up there, and he got up to Sychar and sat on a, on a well. Now, who are the Samaritans? Anybody? Okay. All right. Um. Well, in a nutshell, they're a mixed breed. They're part Jew and part Gentile. And uh, we're going to chase a little rabbit probably for the rest of the class 
about the Samaritans. Now we we talk about um, um, Bob Pierce started America, uh, Samaritan's Purse and then passed his torch at his death to Franklin and and they do a tremendous job. So we hear of Samaritan's Purse, which is uh, one of the great um, stories in Scripture that Jesus told about the man falling, uh, uh, fell among thieves, and, and the Samaritan was the one that took care of him. Uh, we have this story here about the Samaritan, uh, this lady at the well, you know, and we have a lot of theology. We're going to get to it probably next week <clears throat> about, uh, about uh, who he was and what he was trying to do. We have another story that's, uh, that is in <clears throat> Luke um, chapter 17 about ten lepers and they were imploring Jesus to heal them. And he, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And scripture says, as they were going, they were healed. And one turned around and went back to Jesus to thank him. Thank you for healing. And Jesus said, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And the one who came back was a Samaritan. So in these three stories, the Samaritans uh, were kind of elevated in, in, in the sight of Jesus. Now, where do they come from? Okay, let's do a little scripture. Uh, you find Psalms. We're going to Ezra. Find Psalms and then go to your, your left and then, then we have um, Job, and then we have Esther, and then we have Nehemiah, and then we have, we have uh, Ezra. And go to the fourth chapter of Ezra. And you, you know that after the captivity, uh, uh, Ezra, uh, the priest, uh, was going back to rebuild the temple. And um, in verse chapter 4, <clears throat> um, it's beginning in chapter 4. Everybody with me? Ezra chapter 4? Not yet? Okay. Ezra chapter 4. Psalms, and then go to the, the left. You got Job, Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra. <clears throat> chapter 4, Ezra. Now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people in the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel, um, the head of the father's household, and said to him, Let us build with you, for we, like you, seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the days of the king of Assyria brought us here. But the rest of the father's household of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us, building a house to our Lord, but we ourselves will build together to the Lord God 
of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. This group of people who wanted to be part of building the temple was the roots of the Samaritans. They, they had been left, and uh, when Nebuchadnezzar took them into captivity, they had been left there, and they had intermarried, and, and they were these half-breeds that Scripture calls Samaritans. Turn with me, if you will, to, to Nehemiah. That's back to the right. <clears throat> and go to chapter 6 of Nehemiah. All the, the in your Bibles like mine, it's got enemy plot up there in chapter 6. Um, all these, they're, they're, they're uh, people who were again them, were again the Samaritans that they were there. We found in the New Testament when, when we had been going through the New Testament and Pastor Bobby took us through the book of Acts that Paul's, Paul's people that had or the problems that Paul had were always religious people, the, the Jews. Well, here, here, there, it's the people who were Samaritans that was were was giving them uh, a kind of a hard time in this particular case. Um, there was a when the Northern Kingdom fell in. 721 and then the southern kingdom fell in uh, 586 it's 108 uh, 35 years in there so there was a lot of time for this this group of people to grow and according to some things I read there's still some around even to this day but uh, half Jews half Gentiles and they became known as Samaritans. So we we uh, we see this. I don't think it's ironic to see that both Ezra and Nehemiah talked about mixed marriages. Um, go back to Ezra, if you will, just a page back to the left, and look at chapter chapter nine of Ezra. And he and Ezra talked. Now, when these things had been completed, the princes approached me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land, according to their abominations, those Canaanites, Hittites, so, so forth and so on. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives, and for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has intermingled with the peoples of the land. This was the problem that they had, and yet he was coming back and says, God forgive us for this particular situation. Now, 
let's uh, do another little bit of looking. Uh, I've said it before. <clears throat> There's several times that God says, don't marry these local girls. Go back to 1 Kings. That's back some more to the left. 1 Kings chapter 11. And this is probably the reason that that the kingdom was divided in the first place. 1 Kings chapter 11. You with me? 1 Kings chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, so forth. Verse 2. From the nation's concern which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away from after, excuse me, they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held, Solomon held fast to these loves. He had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as his father David had been. So God had told him, he says, don't, don't do this. Don't do this. You know, stay away from these people that are going to lead you into other things. It matters who you marry. We'll pause for station identification. <laughs> I mean, we're influenced by the people we marry, you know, and and it and it 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 could be good and it could be bad. In my case, it's good, uh, but but uh, it's it's it matters who you marry. So Ezra pointed out I don't think it was by accident because of these people who were Samaritans he says look we are messing up by marrying and intermarrying with these people don't do it Nehemiah can't come along to rebuild the, the walls and turn to Nehemiah 13 chapter 13 and he picks up the same thing that Ezra talked about look at verse 23 Nehemiah 13 23 in those days I saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod Ammon and Moab and for their children I spoke the language of Ashdod None of them were able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his own people. 
So I contended with them and says, You shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters from your sons for yourselves. And then he hit it on the head here in verse 26. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin in regard to these things? It's what ultimately divided the kingdom because God said a couple of times we have the Ten Commandments that he gave specifically to the nation of Israel in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5 when he repeated the law, second giving of the law. He says, remember who I am. I'm a jealous God. And he says, I don't want any gods before me. And that ultimate disobedience is what separated them uh, from God. And now it took a long time for it to happen. But it did ultimately happen. Okay. The Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentiles. Back to John chapter 4. I'm not going to go too far in this, but so we'll have time next week to, to, to really get into this. But let's read a little bit more. Verse 7 of John chapter 4. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. It was the time of the day. I don't know how, how long far they had walked that day, but the man was thirsty. And he said, give me a drink. Verse 8. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman asked to him, How is it you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? Since I'm a Samaritan woman, for Jews had no dealings with Samaria to the extent that they would go around Samaria to get up to Galilee uh, or Judea uh, and not walk through it. Jesus just walked right through it. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. Turn back quick to chapter 2 of John. Uh, look at the last verse of chapter 2. And uh, Jesus was talking. Let's look at verse 24. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning him for he knew what was in man. And then we start chapter 3. Now there was a man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, a ruler of the Sanhedrin, 
and he had a theological question. By chance, Jesus ran into all we know her as is the woman at the well. She was a lady. It was just by chance that they met. Well, from our yeah, from our perspective. And, and it was, they didn't have any agenda. But God knew who she was. Who she was. And he made this pronouncement. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? And we're going to stop right there.